Today on Cutting Oranges, I'm speaking with Topi Adepoyibi. Topi began umpiring as a young teenager before spending almost 30 years away from footy, working internationally to help reduce the burden of infectious diseases such as tuberculosis, HIV and malaria. Once she returned home, she worked her way up the umpiring ranks and achieved her dream of becoming an AFLW umpire. I can't wait for you to hear our conversation. Toby, thank you so much um, for joining me on Cutting Oranges. Uh, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. So exciting. No worries. It's a bit of a funny story, I guess. We were at um, a book launch the other night, uh, the book Never Surrender um, by Georgina Hibbert, and you came up to me. Um, and I didn't recognise you at first, but you said, you need an umpire on your podcast. And I was like, oh, like you're, <laughs> you fair. are the goal umpire. Yeah. And I was like, oh, what are you doing this week? And, and here we are. So yeah, thank you so much for taking the time. No worries. And thanks for listening to the call to get an umpire on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the, I'm sure the people will re- respond well. So I don't know about that. But anyway. <laughs> You've got four siblings. Is that right? So I'm one of four. Yep. I'm the eldest, the bossy one. Okay. Okay. Right. <laughs> and so, what was I guess the family dynamic growing up like? What What were you interested in, and how did you? Oh, how did you spend your days? I guess. Yeah. So I guess it was a unique upbringing in the sense that we moved around a lot and lived in Aboriginal communities all over the Northern Territory. It was pretty special, you know, living in small communities, um, really kind of out out remote you know I went to school of the air at one point which was pretty cool um so yeah three girls and my little brother um we were kind of kids of the bush really um and as you would know people in the NT are completely footy mad so yeah footy's just sort of a part of life up there as well so into sports and you know just yeah being a typical kid yeah so you just sort of started picking up the game um, from watching people around you, is that? Yeah, yeah. And I, I guess none of my other siblings really got into footy. I don't know why I did. Mm. Um, I'm maybe a bit sportier than them, even though they might dispute that. Um, but <laughs> I've got more I, sporting <laughs> talent than them. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> Just a natural. Even though my brothers um, played professional basketball, but. Um, yeah, just loved it, loved it a lot um, and sort of, you know, everyone played and just, I just, yeah, enjoyed following it as mm. a kid. Mm. And did you play any other sort of sport growing up? Yeah, so look, I didn't play, right, because back then there was no women's footy mm-hmm. and um, I really admire girls today who just turn up at their boys' footy club and just demand to play and start playing. It just would have never occurred to me as a kid. I just watch from the sidelines. Um, but growing up, I played tennis, athletics, you know, I was a pretty good sprinter, um, netball, and then as I got older, like basketball. Yeah, so I kind of, kind of sporty. Not excellent at any of those, but like having a crack. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's all about having a crack. Um, and I read that you kind of, I guess, stumbled into umpiring somewhat like you um just saw something in the paper and you were 
just wanting to give it a crack for a bit of extra money. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. So I saw an ad in the NT News um, that said, get fit and get paid, become an umpire. And it's like, hell yeah, I want to get fit and get paid. I'm like all of maybe like 13 or 14. Yeah. And um, also was like, I can't play. So this is a way to like be out there and getting amongst it. Mm. So I just basically rocked up to the NTFL umpires um, group. Yeah. And, and just kind of, I didn't, um, I guess, think it through in terms of like how it might be a bit odd for a skinny Nigerian 13-year-old, 14-year-old girl to just kind of start umpiring footy. Um, so I made the paper a few times, like, just because it was a bit of a sight, I guess. Um, but there were other female umpires there who took me under their wing. Shout out to Joy Cardona, who's an amazing um, umpire up there and really mentored me. Uh, yeah, so I just started from there. Yeah, and were you always wanting to do the goal umpiring? Because they're all all three umpiring are very different. They're very different. Look, by default, I'm a goal umpire because I ain't no way I'm running whatever it is that field and boundary umpires <laughs> run in a game, like, you know, marathon. No way. <laughs> like, I'm, you know, fast twitch muscle fibres. Like, I can't run. Like, Just a burst. Like, yeah, yeah. Short bursts, yes. Running kilometres on end, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think that's funny because I actually used to umpire too. When I had to finish playing at 14, I took up boundary umpiring. And once I started doing that, my dad became interested in goal umpiring. So um, I remember just feeling really cut up because we'd get the same amount of money and he'd just stand <laughs> in the goal square. like it, and, and you are far more professional than he ever would have been. Like I'm pretty sure he had like gun fingers sort of set up. But I would just think I am stuffed after like I'd play netball, then I'd go and run the boundary and yeah. dad and I would get 50 bucks each at the end of the game. And I just thought, what? what? But obviously that's no disrespect to the job that you do because you do do a very different job to my dad. But I was just like, where is the justice? I love the thought of the sort of father-daughter umpiring. <laughs> I wonder if there's like a, you know, like in footy teams, how there's the like, you oh. know, father-son or like parent, you know, daughter pathway into the team. Yeah. There should be like a similar pathway in umpiring. Um, but yes, look, it's all the mental gymnastics and, you know, mm. endurance that we have to have, mm -hmm. not the physical. But even though we do have to have good baseline fitness, you know, good aerobic fitness is good mental clarity, right? Yeah, so, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, and I'm interested to learn about your training. Like, what do you do? Yeah, so training for goal umpires does involve, like, like I said, you need to have a base level of fitness, um, you know, healthy body, healthy mind. Um, at training, the focus, though, is on agility. So we usually, you know, do some um, base running and then we do agility drills mm -hmm. to really train us to be able to be quick off the mark and, like, get under the flight of the ball really fast. So we do agi agility drills and then we do skills drills. Mm -hmm. So we set up various scenarios that can happen in a game and practice those. And then we usually look at vision. So mm -hmm. there'll be clips of things that have gone well and not so well the previous round or in the AFL. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, we just unpack that as a, as a team and just get, take the learnings from what we saw. Yeah, it's, it's very much like a, a sport in itself, I guess. 
Yeah, you know, we always say we are the third team out there on the field. <laughs> I know you players might not realise there's a third team out there, but we're it. So. Well, you often get accused of being on one of the teams, <laughs> so it's good to clarify that it's a third team. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and how did it, um, I guess, when you started learning the craft, like, did it take long to understand your positioning and that sort of thing? Like, was it a long sort of process or did you find you picked it up quite easily? Um, it's a process that never ends, right? You never yeah. stop learning. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but look, you can pick up the basics pretty quickly, um, but, you know, yes, I joked just then that it's an ongoing process, but you truly, like goal umpiring, um, it, is a, it is a craft. Like you, mm. you learn, you still keep learning about things, you know, just tricks about how you can get better at getting into position. Goal umpiring is all about putting yourself in the best position to get the score right. Um, so yeah, you, yes, can pick up the basics like signaling, how to signal, how to wave your flags, like where to be for certain types of scenarios, but things happen all the time. Like I got bowled over in round two of AFLW. Mm. I'd I'd never been run into by a player before. Right. So it's like. Who did it? (laughs) I'm not going to name name and shame. (laughs) Yeah. It's probably about three of them actually. Yeah. Um, but you know, so I didn't. You know, I had heard about and learned about how to handle that, but until it happens, mm. you know, you kind of can't really feel like you know everything until, yeah. Yeah. And because it's, it's different if you get um, knocked over as a goal umpire, there's not really any repercussions for the player, like, because usually they're watching the ball, whereas in on the field, the umpire signals where they're going, so you, you can't make contact. I, I've made contact with an umpire accidentally before and yeah. I, there was a free against me although he knocked me to the ground um but but it was a fair call but yeah. so it's different that you um I guess you just have to keep your eye on the ball and see what's yeah what's happening. well as we say you know we're saying you just got to keep keep umpiring mm-hmm. keep umpiring no matter mm-hmm. what happens keep umpiring so in that scenario I just had to keep umpiring you know take pick myself up dust myself off and get ready for the next active play yeah yeah, it would, it would rattle you. Um, so when you started umpiring, you were 13. How long did you umpire before looking at other things? Because you did take a considerable, considerable break away from the game. I did. So I did three seasons mm-hmm. um, as a kid and then had like a 23-year break. Oh, just, <laughs> just stepped out for a moment. Yeah, you know, I mean, I graduated high school and then just lived my life, right? Yeah. Um, I kind of, you know, lived uh, overseas for many years, mm-hmm. um, you know, went to uni, had a career, um, and then it was only when I moved to Melbourne about five years ago that I was like, oh, I'm in the home of the AFL, um, let me get back into it. Yeah, yeah, and you've skipped over that quite nicely, <laughs> but I just wanted to read out. I was reading about you earlier in the week or earlier today, um, and it said that you've dedicated your life um, to helping reduce the burden of infectious diseases such as tuberculosis, HIV and malaria. So what you've done, you haven't just stepped away from the game to just do whatever. Um, it sounds like you've, yeah, you've done some really incredible work. So can you talk me through how you got into, I guess, the medical field and the sort of places you've been and, and what you've experienced? 
Sure, yeah. So, I mean, I started out as a lab scientist, so a lab rat, basically. I did like a Bachelor of Science and worked in lab. I was just like a nerdy science geek and did my science degree, started working in the lab and was like, I hate this. Um, But I was too specialised by that time to do anything (laughs) else, so I just kept working as a lab rat and getting driven crazy. Um, But I knew that I liked that I was interested in the world. I was interested in health as a human right, mm-hmm. um, interested in, you know, politics and poverty reduction. So after too long working in the lab, I did a Masters of uh, International Public Health mm-hmm. and that was a big career change. So basically I became a public health practitioner um, and started that in Papua New Guinea. So I lived in Papua New Guinea and worked with World Vision um, Basically working, you know, I'm not a doctor or a nurse, but I would work with, you know, doctors and nurses and other health professionals to set up um, programs to address these diseases that you talked about, but particularly tuberculosis. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, TB is a huge killer worldwide. Um, Many people don't know that tuberculosis is still around Mm. um, and that millions of people get it every year. Um, so yeah, PNG was amazing. That was my first kind of job in this field. I also responded to disease outbreaks, cholera and dysentery while I was there. And, um, yeah, doing some of that humanitarian aid stuff was, was cool. And then from there, um, yeah, lived and worked in Jamaica, um, and, you know, the US as well, working mainly with countries in Africa like Tanzania, Ethiopia, South Africa, um, just again working with staff in those countries to set up these programs to address tuberculosis and other diseases. Mm. And what, I guess, what drew you into that work? Like was it just wanting to help people or um, I guess seeing that your own family had moved away from Africa and and feeling like you wanted to go back and, and give or what was it? Yeah, I guess a few things. Um, like when I did my Masters of Public Health and you learn about the different things, I I just became very interested in infectious diseases, right? Because mm. I did microbiology as my um, bachelor, so I was interested in bugs, you know, mm-hmm. viruses and bacteria completely fascinate me. But I sort of went from looking at them, you know, in a lab sense to looking at how they affect people and populations Um, and became really interested in that. Um, There was a part of me that was thinking, I remember when I first started, I was like, yeah, one day I'm going to like move back to Nigeria and work on these issues. You think you're going to save the world when you start working in something like international aid and development, but Mm. that's crap because you can't even save yourself. (laughs) Right? Yeah, wow. Um, Basically... So, yeah, I think maybe you start out thinking, oh, I'm going to help and do this and that, but nobody's asked for your help. Um, Mm. You have to, um, I guess, work out where you can add value, do good work and have a fulfilling career. I think it's, um, yeah. So a few different reasons why I got into it, Mm. Um, but I don't work in it anymore. I actually work at the Cancer Council now. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Do you feel, is that because the work is just, it sounds really intense? This is coming from someone who 
finished biology in year eight um, and didn't take things further. Um, it sounds like super intense work and you'd see things that nobody else would really see unless you worked in that field. Yeah. Um, look, I just um, was ready to come back to Australia and mm. um, was really keen to work on domestic health issues. Um, one day I may go back to international work. I wouldn't say that it's like never again. Um I, you know, it is very um, draining in terms of the travel. The travel schedule is really hectic. And you sort of sound like a complaining princess, like, oh, gosh, I have to travel to these amazing places once again. How can I possibly do it again? But, you know, I mean, it is very gruelling and you kind of mm. wake up sometimes and don't know where you are and what, what you're doing. Yeah. And you can't, like, agree to dinner on the weekend, let alone like, you know, going to someone's birthday in two months' time because you don't know where you're going to be. Yeah, I can so. imagine international travel is very different when you're when you're working in that field rather than thinking, uh, I'm going to relax at the beach on yeah. the other end of this 20-hour flight or whatever. So. Right? It's, yeah, it is, it is that. But, yeah, I think, um, you know, I worked in international health and development for 13 years or something like that, so... Mm. Um, I'm really enjoying doing something different, um, but yeah, still have a lot of passion for the issues. Yeah. Okay. So, so talk me through when you came back to Australia. You started working at the Cancer Council. Um, I, when I came back, I started working with the Burnett Institute. So I was actually still doing international work with Burnett, but based here in Melbourne. So it was like baby steps, come back to Australia, but still work internationally. Mm -hmm. And then now I'm like back in Australia and working in Australia. Yeah, cool. So, um, so it was a good, it was good in that sense to be back home, but continuing to work. So I was traveling to PNG and Timor-Leste and Myanmar when mm -hmm. I was at Burnett um, and just working with amazing researchers and infectious disease doctors there. Um, and, yeah, like I said, I've been at Cancer Council for 18 months now and just, yeah, love it, have an amazing team and it's just, yeah, great to be doing something here in Victoria and, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. We're lucky to have you. <laughs> um, so I think I read that you got back into umpiring because you contacted one of your old umpiring people looking for some photos. Is that right? Oh. Um. That, did I get that wrong? <laughs> uh, no, I, I did contact um, the NTFL wanting old photos, mm -hmm. yes, um, spurred on by kind of getting back into it. So like I said, I moved back to Victoria. I was like, you know, I want to like get back into it and I just looked up my local – league which is a VAFA mm -hmm. and yeah just rocked up and was like I used to umpire many 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 moons ago have probably forgotten it all I don't think it's like riding a bike I do <laughs> think you forget so please retrain me and um, they were super supportive and mm. great about it and had a great season with them at the VAFA um, I did the multicultural indigenous carnival up in Byron Bay and that was fantastic. It was three or four years ago now and seeing people that I met there like Maddie Presparkis, um, Steph, who's now playing for Geelong. Mm. Um, I could see that they were stars back then. They were too young for AFLW and now just seeing them like killing yeah. it. Um, yeah, 
that was great. Yeah, that's amazing. And and what's sort of the, I guess, progression into AFLW? What's that pathway like? Yeah, so from the VAFA, I got into State League, so the VFL uh, umpiring list. Mm-hmm. So you kind of, yeah, you start as a, um, in, you're invited to trial out and you have to like basically get on, on the squad. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, well, used to be some fitness testing and you have to do a game, get observed, that kind of thing. So mm. you then go on the, to the development squad and then you can move up to the senior squad. So AFLW umpires are selected from all over Australia. Mm-hmm. So basically, yeah, um, the selectors look at the various state leagues and select the list from them. And so, yeah, I've been lucky enough to have just done my third season. Yeah, amazing. And you said that you always wanted to play um, as a little girl, but there just wasn't that opportunity there for you. What's it like now? Still, like you're sharing the field with women who are kind of living out that dream of yours. What What is that like? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, it's funny, when I was in the VAFA, coaches tried to poach me a couple of times. <laughs> you can't tell sitting down, but I'm six foot one, so I'm a good, good height for a ruck. Um and I was just was like, oh, you know, no. And then when the Masters comp started, you know, I've got friends who play Masters who are like, come down. And I'm like, oh, maybe. But when I look at the girls now, I guess I have nothing but admiration. I don't feel like um, I don't want, necessarily want it to be me. I feel like that um, door closed was never even open for me to miss it, if Mm. you know what I mean, Mm. which makes me a bit sad, you know, um, but it's just my generation. Mm. Um, You know, with that said, I said to a fellow umpire training last week, um, I think a harsh reality for me is probably that if I had started playing at the same time I started umpiring or if I had put as many hours into playing as I have done umpiring, I would be a better player than I am an umpire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, okay. I, like, I'm a good umpire, but yeah. I actually think I would be a much better player. Mm. And that's a harsh reality. I was like, yeah, I'm just going <laughs> to sit with that. Yeah, just let that <laughs> sit in the stomach. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's a kind of maybe a complicated feeling. But at the same time, I love being out there as an official because Mm. there are so few female umpires that um, I feel part of this amazing movement Mm. that is the AFLW, a a small tiny part that nobody notices because nobody cares about the umpires, right? But um, so you guys might not realise it or, you know, see that, but I love being out there as part of this. Mm. That's been so important you know, for, for girls and women across Australia to see it happen. And uh, so I have a lot of pride in that part of it as an umpire, you know. Yeah, of course. Like I, I think, like you say, nobody cares about the umpiring <laughs> and your goal is to be inconspicuous. But you are part of the, the greater movement and the more <clears throat> women pl- who play footy, um, I think it just attracts people to be in every department, whether it's umpiring or coaching or calling the games or an off-field admin role. So 
yeah, I think it's really awesome that you're part of the the wave. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's it is it's pretty awesome. So I kind of relate mm-hmm. to the players not as like, oh, I wish I was them, but more like I'm here as part of you know, I'm here as the official for this amazing group of women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and do you see yourself as a like I get asked this a bit, but do you see yourself as a role model um, in the umpiring space because like you do get a lot of airtime, um, especially after goals. Like people <laughs> are, people see you, and that's like that's awesome. And I'm sure there's a lot of girls um, who see you and are like, yeah. I could do that. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, yes, in umpiring we talk about we love a bit of me time, right? We love. <laughs> um, it's not lost on us that you know we're we're aware of the ca- what the camera's doing. <laughs> um, we love it. We love it. But look, I mean, I guess for me, you know, I the thing I like is that I'm pretty sure there has probably been you know a little African girl who's maybe caught sight of me and just do- did a, maybe a bit of a double take or just thought like, ha, huh, I've never seen you know I've never seen. Um, someone who looks like that do that. And I think a lot of you know people would probably, you know, have a bit of a second look because you know there aren't that many, or well, there are none <laughs> that look like me. Yeah. So um, I like that. And in terms of role model, I mean, you know, I would love it if more girls got into umpiring. Like that mm. would be an absolute dream. So um, you know, if by just being out there, I can play some part in it. Then that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, I've heard a, a bit about um, David Broden. Broden, yeah, yeah, he's he's got a squad, the D Rod squad, where yeah. he, I think it's it's all about um, getting kids from different backgrounds into umpiring because it's a great way to learn the game and just be part of something that is so huge in Australia. Do, would you ever see yourself having your own squad or something <laughs> like that? There's only one D Rod. <laughs> Um, and he has been such a great support to me actually during my umpiring career. And he's, you know, been there for me at certain times where I've struggled and it's been so fantastic to have him there as someone from a multicultural background as well in umpiring. So he's great. Look, I won't have my own squad, but I've loved um, doing bits and pieces with D-Rod um, mm. and going and talking to groups of girls and um, doing that kind of community engagement. Always happy to do that. Um, and would yeah love to do it more you know mm. yeah yeah and because you've spoken about how um what umpiring has sort of brought to your life like especially as a a like a 13 year old girl um you know I feel like nobody's very decisive at 13 or very confident in making a call but as an umpire that's that's your job so and I'm I'm guessing you would have been um doing men's games and that sort of thing from a young age. So how does that make you feel and what sort of influence has it had on your life? Yeah, I mean, I would definitely say back then, you know, it did give me a lot of confidence um, because, yeah, you're sort of a kid, you've got no choice but to um, have – you've got to be disciplined, you know, to get to games and know what you're doing and, like, go through all, all the process that you have to. But then, and, you you know, it was a different time back then. There was a lot of abuse from the crowd. There Mm. was, like, it was pretty rough. So I developed a thick skin and just really grew in confidence. I was pretty shy. 
but you kind of like can't be. You got to make a decision and stick by it. Stick up for yourself, mm. um, and you know, work with everyone around you are adults, right? I mean, as well. I mean, there's lots of kids who are umpiring as well and you do juniors, but you're learning to talk to adults, interact with adults. And um, it gave me a lot I, and probably more than I realised at the time. Mm-hmm. I think it was maybe only, maybe only pretty recently that I started umpiring again and talking about my experience back then. Mm. I realised how pivotal it was for me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's pretty. Um, it's a lot of power for a thirteen-year-old <laughs> girl. You'd have men screaming at you, <laughs> yeah. pleading with you, like, "No, nah, it was definitely this, or it was definitely that," trying to fool you. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's your call. And <laughs> totally right. Yeah. So you kind of, you know, you kind of, yeah, you reflect back, and you're like, I don't know. how, how I had the like kahunas to just do, <laughs> and I used to just write, you know. I used to have a bike. I rode to games, just strap my flags to the back of my bike with my little mm. kid and just, like, ride home past all the, you know. <laughs> but yeah. It's just like, hello, see us, yeah. See you next week. Mum, I'm home. Like, yeah. you know, it was good. It was fun. Yeah. Oh, that's it's great. It's a great visual. <laughs> I was going to ask, do you get into, like, a zone? Like, because I know... Like for the players, like often you like you kind of block out the crowd noise. Do you? How does that work in with umpiring? Yeah, I mean, I think everyone's different. For me, um, you know, you do get. I do get into a zone when players coming. You know, is in your area, right? Mm. You know, you have ad- adrenaline. You've got to be aware of so many different things. Where the other umpires are, who's attacking, who's defending. You know, where are your what is what are the dangers around you? Um, and so in that moment, the crowd noise does recede and you're very focused on what's happening. If there's, you know, a contest in front of you, you're trying to look to see is the ball going to get quickly snapped out of the contest? Well, whose boot is it coming off? You've got to be very focused on what's mm-hmm. happening, right? Um, so or for me, I really get in the zone and I have a process around set kicks mm-hmm. that I've had to kind of bring in. Um, it can be very nerve-wracking um, with a set set shot at goal because mm-hmm. anything can happen, <laughs> right? And it's yeah. just a very, you know, everything stops and you just – so I have a process um, around that that helps me breathe and focus in on that and, you know, take the time with that. And that's definitely something that's um, newer for me this season. So, um, yeah, uh, like I said, speaking for me, but I'm pretty sure other umpires probably do have a similar f- sense of getting in the zone, especially around, like I say, set kicks or, you know, where plays sort of in front of you, you're kind mm. of, yeah, you're really kind of um, switched on. Yeah, that's so interesting. So you'd almost rather, well, you feel like it's when the ball's in play, you can just do your thing, whereas when a set shot comes, it's almost a different process. I, I've started doing a different process with it. Mm. Yeah, maybe others don't, but, I've yeah, it, it's helped me a lot this season with sort of managing that 
yeah, it is. And and even when I watch games now and there's a set shot, I, like, go through that mental process in my head. Yeah. Put myself in the umpire's shoes and, like, think through the steps in that I n- now use and it kind of just helps me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's wild. That's something I would never think of. There's um, a lot of stuff going on that you guys don't realise. Yeah, well, it just sounds really similar to actually playing the game because people have set shot routines. Like, yeah. it's very different. It's a very mental thing taking a set shot like if you miss it's usually because you've done something mentally more than the actual skill um but yeah a lot of people do prefer in play they'll play on quickly or whatever Mm. so it's kind of like the same yeah in a way like just kind of parallel three teams out there three doing doing their doing similar stuff that's it (laughs) that's so interesting um i was going to ask you does um, – because I don't know if you would have umpired a game with goal technology. I haven't, no. I haven't, yeah. No, not Cause yet. Because, yeah, well, I think that would probably come into AFLW soon. But what does that – like, do you think that would – does that change your psychology going into a game knowing that you can be tested up against a machine? Like, do you – how does that work? Um, yeah, look, I think um, – it takes the stress, some of the stress off. Mm. Um, that's the way I think, you know, if it were me, because um, when you don't have it, um, gosh, you know, mm. <laughs> it's like it's down to you, there's no second go at it, right? Yeah. Whereas if you've got the technology, um, if it's a really close call, then I would rather um, have that assurance and mm. certainty of the technology when it's when you're like you know 50 50 you've yeah. got to make a decision and i'd rather have technology yeah but you know it builds up your skills to do it without the technology as you go through so then yeah but yeah i'd feel the opposite to what you're saying i think yeah. it, it would be good to just have that backup yeah well that's that's good i guess you just want the most accurate thing to occur and there's probably an acceptance that there will be errors made like naturally everyone makes mistakes so it's not like you're going to get it right all the time so it's probably good having that back up totally and you know with goal umpiring it kind of boils down you know it's like you boil it down you got one job you got to get the score right mm. like it's all it's all to get the score right so that, you know, those teams that have trained hard and, you know, done their thing, the score is an accurate reflection of what happened in the game. Mm. So we do everything to get that score right and technology is a tool to help that. Yeah. Great. Yeah, awesome. That's good to hear. <laughs> um, well, hopefully we'll get that technology soon then so you've got that assurance. I was going to ask you how you deal with abuse because it is unfortunately something that you do face yeah so how do you yeah I guess how do you navigate your way through that yeah I think all umpires it's just you know you got to it's water off a duck's back yeah you know um yeah like for us because we're down the end right the whole game Mm. you know if you got so for example like I told you I got bowled into the other week I had someone, you know, screaming at me for the rest of the game, telling me to get out the way next time, you know, Mm. um, Mm. get out the way next time, just 
constantly wouldn't yeah. like just kept saying it so you can hear them yeah <laughs> the whole time because yeah. sometimes the ball's <laughs> up the other end yeah and well yeah and they're literally there. a few meters away behind yeah. the feds um whereas the field and boundaries you know maybe don't hear it as much consistently i mean mm. don't get me wrong they still can still hear things getting shouted out um but yeah look we don't i mean most umpires it's just water off a duck's back you don't take it on board and ultimately if it gets really bad you know you can make that official complaint to the clubs and they can rein them in yeah and so yeah you've got an ear out like if there's something that's completely unacceptable that you need to report but mm. other than that i'm not there getting like you know oh by someone, yeah. like, just like waving your flag. Yeah, like flag. getting, I'm not getting sad. <laughs> yeah, 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 and that's part of it. You can't, you can't show that you're rattled or anything because. Nah. Yeah, I was gonna ask. I guess what what it's like because you'd often be maybe one of the only women out on the field. Like, does that come into your mind at all? Like, is that something that you think about or not really? Um, you know, um. Not not really in the sense of, like, your actual umpiring. Certainly at AFLW time, when, like I talked about, you just know that, especially as it just builds every year, right, it's just building in momentum every year, getting more popular, like the competition's improving. Um, I do think about it, like, when I go out there and I'm aware of it, you know. Um, but, you know... <laughs> You know, other than – and that's sort of maybe at the beginning or, you know, when you're kind of in preparation, you know, when I might look at who's on and if I'm the only woman, you know, you note that and mm. you just kind of, you know, walk out there and you feel that. Um, but it's, a you know, a good thing. I don't sort of then think about it thereafter, right? You're sort of in the game at that point. Yeah. Um, and just, yeah, trying to do your job. Yeah, that's it. Just <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well – because I always, um, whenever I switch on and, like, Eleni is umpiring or, like, I love hearing yeah. a woman commanding the game and, and I'm sure, like, people, when they see you out there, they would love knowing that you're calling the shots. So I think, it's, <laughs> I think that's really great. So you touched on um, one of your umpiring mentors, Joy. Um, can you tell me about uh, if, like, mentoring is something that you – would want to get into or um, I guess even the role that Joy played in your life because I think mentoring is a really important space that people don't often sort of think about but I think it plays a, a really pivotal role. Yeah, definitely. I mean, so, yeah, Joy was really pivotal for me back then um, and, you know, I shed a bit of a tear. She saw me on TV in the AFL. I mean, she called here. She called AFL House to try and find me and tell oh. me that she saw me and she was really proud. So I just love her. But, you know, with my recent re-entry into the game, um, Chris Appleton, who's now head coach of the AFL um, goal umpires list, has been a really pivotal mentor for me. So mm -hmm. I, you know, Chris is a big part of how much I've improved from, you know, my first season with the VFL to, you know, where I am now. So I've seen the importance of, you know, mentoring in my in my career and, yeah, I absolutely would be open to helping girls starting out, um, especially maybe girls from multicultural backgrounds. Absolutely. It's, um, it 
can be really game-changing when you know you've got that person who you can unpack your games with, get advice with, you know, from. Um, and because a lot of stuff with umpiring, it's like, um, you know, passed down, like verbal kind of passed down the tips and tricks that mm-hmm. you learn or how to deal with certain situations. So when you've got somebody who you can just confide in and talk to and uh, help you out with all those with all of that. Mm-hmm. It helps with your confidence a lot. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Well, that, yeah, that I feel like it would – I feel like you'd be a great um, person to be a mentor, very cool, calm and collected and so much life experience outside of footy. So I hope um, you get that opportunity sometime soon. I'm sure you will. So I was reading um, – this art, the article I was reading about you, one of the quotes, it was from 2018 and it said, one day I would love to umpire an AFL women's game and from there, who knows? So you've clearly umpired quite a few AFLW games but um, where do you, what's next for you and where do you see yourself going? Um, having a big relax on the couch. <laughs> Yeah, some rest. Um, Yeah, yeah, man. So it's like um, it it was a massive, massive thing for me to do. Um, And, you know, I can retire happy (laughs) having done the AFLW, right? Um, Yeah, it's been huge. It's been one of the highlights of my life, you know, not just my footy footy career. So, yeah, I mean, from there, who knows? Maybe it's that mentoring thing that you talked about. Um, but yeah, just like chilling. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I'd love to see a Topi squad. I think that would be <laughs> awesome. Um, but you also are, you're currently on study break, study leave. So what are you, what are you studying? Yeah. So I'm doing a PhD, um, which has been going for more years than I want to think about. So mm. yeah, I've got, I've got a lot sort of going on, like, Outside of footy, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm doing my PhD on yeah public health stuff like infectious diseases and communi- non-communicable diseases as well. Yeah. Hoping to wrap that up this year, um, please. <laughs> but here I am doing a podcast You're with you instead podcast. of working on it at home. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm helping with the procrastination. No wonder yes. you were so keen to get on the pod. You right, were just exactly. looking to block out another hour. <laughs> should see how spotless my house is this week. <laughs> All that procrastination. Yeah. So. Clean house, clear mind. Exactly. That's it. Well, thank you so much um, for joining me today. It's been a pleasure getting to understand your mindset behind umpiring and your journey into it, out of it and back into it again. So thank you for your time and I look forward to seeing you out there. Thanks, Darcy. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs>